Hello, this is David Nakao Wilcoxon. This audio is from a Revelation Timeline Decoded YouTube video series that I made in 2021. The videos were very low tech, mostly me reading what's on the screen, so you're not missing much in the audio version. The Revelation layers chart and summary PDFs that I refer to in the videos can be found at www.revelationtimelinedecoded.com. Enjoy the lesson. Hello, Set Apart Saints. This is David, and in this video, I'm going to talk about the little book of Revelation 10. If you want more information about the fulfillment of Revelation, the Revelation Timeline Decoded book provides it in detail. I've included a link in the video description. This Revelation video series, like the chapters in my book, show how prophecy is fulfilled on the timeline. 1514 AD is one of the most important years in the history of Messiah's Ecclesia, yet pastors don't teach about it. It changed the world, but historians don't write about it. The next few chapters will show you why it is so important to Messiah and his saints. You can look at the Revelation fulfillment chart to see the 1514 year mark on the bottom of the timeline. If you have not printed it up, there's a link in the video description to see a visual explanation of the fulfillment of the layers of Revelation. So at this point in 1514, the Antichrist beast popes had been in power for almost 1,000 years since they were given civil and ecclesiastic authority in 538. And the saints had been protesting against the popes for about 500 years. To counter the testimony of the scriptures and the saints, the Antichrist beast popes relentlessly were to eliminate the two witnesses against them. The popes banned and burned the scriptures and only taught in Latin during the Dark Ages to control all of Christendom. Pope Innocent III declared to be reproved are those who translate into French the Gospels, the letters of Paul, the Psalter, etc. They are moved by a certain love of Scripture in order to explain them clandestinely and to preach them to one another. The mysteries of the faith are not to be explained rashly to anyone. Usually, in fact, they cannot be understood by everyone, but only by those who are qualified to understand them with informed intelligence. The depth of divine scriptures is such that not only the illiterate and the uninitiated have difficulty understanding them, but also the educated and the gifted. In 1229 AD at the Catholic Synod of Toulouse, it was proclaimed, We prohibit also that the lady should be permitted to have the books of the Old and New Testament, but we most strictly forbid their having any translation of these books. In 1234 AD at the Catholic Council of Tarragona, they declared, No one may possess the books of the Old and New Testaments in the Romance languages, such as French, Italian, and Spanish. And if anyone possesses them, he must turn them over to the local bishop within eight days after the promulgation of this decree so that they may be burned. In 1408, at the Third Synod of Oxford, they proclaimed this regarding John Wycliffe's translation in the late 14th century. It is dangerous, as St. Jerome declares, to translate the text of Holy Scriptures out of one idiom into another, since it is not easy in translations to preserve exactly the same meaning in all things. We therefore command and ordain that henceforth no one translate the text of Holy Scripture into English, or any other language as a book, tablet, or tract, of this kind lately made in the time of the said John Wycliffe or since, and that hereafter may be made, either in part or wholly, either publicly or privately, under pain of excommunication, until such translation shall have been approved and allowed by the provincial council. He who shall act otherwise, let him be punished as an abettor of heresy and error. What kind of leader proclaims to represent Messiah, but bans and burns the scriptures? the one that was empowered by the enemy to steal glory away from the Heavenly Father and Messiah, the Antichrist beast. The Antichrist beast popes declared war against the saints, causing Catholics to persecute them in an attempt to wipe out their witness. 
Messiah declares that the seven church errors are seven candlesticks, lampstands, as the saints shine as a light in this world. Revelation 1.20 says, The mystery of the seven stars which thou saw in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the seven angels, the leaders, of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou saw are seven churches, and it's pointing to church eras. The scriptures are the olive trees that provide oil for the lampstands, the saints. Without the scriptures and the saints, this world becomes very dark. Messiah gave the saints of the church era of Thyatira this promise. Revelation 2, 26-27 says, And he that overcomes and keeps my works unto the end, to him I will give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with the rod of iron. As the vessels of a potter they shall be broken to shivers, even as I received them my father. He is telling them that those things are dark right now, but by the power of the rod of iron, the scriptures, the saints will take back control of the nations over which the Antichrist beast popes held power. The Antichrist beast popes were so effective at wiping out the scriptures and the saints who testified against them, that at the Fifth Lateran Council in May 1514, it was declared that all of Christendom was under their authority, and that there were no witnesses against them. In 1514 AD, the Antichrist beast popes proclaimed that the two witnesses against them, the scriptures and the saints, were as good as dead. That's a profound declaration. At this point, the popes had silenced a witness of the scriptures, which described them as the son of perdition and the Antichrist beast, and they had caused any remaining saints to cease protesting against them. The two witnesses against the Antichrist beast popes, the scriptures and the saints, were as good as dead. Many movies depict a hero who has been so tormented by the enemy that they seem to be dead, and then they come back to life to defeat the enemy. Are you ready to hear that comeback story? Messiah foretold what the seven church errors would face. The church era of Thyatira faced the Antichrist beast popes from 538 until this point in 1514. Now the church era of Sardis begins and they were used to counter the enemy, to take back the nations for the glory of their king. Look at what Messiah says to the saints of the church era of Sardis. Revelation 3.1 says, And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he that have the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name that thou lives, and art dead. So at this point in May 1514, we have a perfect match. The Antichrist beast popes proclaimed that the saints were as good as dead, as they weren't witnessing against them anymore. And Messiah is proclaiming the very same thing. Then Messiah gives the church era of Sardis saints commands to help them come back to life, proving that they weren't all physically dead. He says, Be watchful, and strengthen the things which remain, that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. So the hero is being empowered to come back to life to overcome the enemy. And what does the hero need to carry out their mission? They need a powerful weapon. The saints were given the rod of iron, the scriptures, which had been taken away by the enemy. Messiah had protected the scriptures during the dark ages, and he is moving to put them into the saints' hands. Hallelujah. To the saints of Thyatira's previous church era, Messiah gave an amazing promise of the future leader, a star who would help the saints be overcomers. He says, And I will give him the morning star. Messiah is pointing to John Wycliffe, who translated the Latin scriptures into English so that everyone could read them again. He was called the morning star of the Reformation. Once again, you can see the perfect synchronicity of the prophecies in Revelation. Messiah promised them a star, right? He, he pointed to John Wycliffe, and here comes John translating the scriptures to get put them in the hands of the saints again. And here are a few quotes from John Wycliffe, a hero of the faith. It says, all Christian life is to be measured by scripture by every word. Holy Scripture is the highest authority for every believer, the standard of faith, and the foundation of reform. So he's telling you, you know, compare what people say, such as the popes of Rome, to Scripture, and you'll find out the truth. 
So now let's look at how the saints came back to life by the power of the scripture, the word of life. Revelation 10, 8-10 says, And the voice which I heard from heaven spoke unto me again, and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel, which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And it went unto the angel, and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it, and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hands, and ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey, and as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. The New Testament was written in Aramaic and Greek, but the Antichrist beast popes chose to translate them into Latin to control the message and hide the truth. Latin is the language of the powerful, the rich, the learned, and the clergy, and not of the ordinary man. Jerome, the bishop of Rome, was tasked with creating the Latin Vulgate Bible to hide the message from the saints. The witness of the scriptures had been sealed up, closed, by the Antichrist beast popes who banned it and burned it and only taught in Latin. Now, Messiah would open it up to the saints to take back control of the nations. Knowing that the Latin Vulgate Bible that Wycliffe used wasn't the best foundation to translate the scriptures, our beloved Messiah preserved the Greek manuscripts, which would be used for pure translations. The Orthodox Christians of Constantinople initially used Latin from 395 to 610, but from 610 to 1453, the common language was Greek. They had copies of the Greek scriptures in Constantinople during the Dark Ages, while the popes were banning and burning the scriptures in Western Europe. So Messiah protected them until the perfect time. When the Turks were sent to attack the Eastern Roman Empire during the Sixth Trumpet Judgment, the priests in Constantinople took the scriptures and other Greek writings and fled to Western Europe. Not only did priests flee Constantinople, but so did scholars who brought their knowledge of the Greek language to Western European universities. During the Dark Ages, this type of study had been suppressed, but this revival of the study of Greek led to the Renaissance and the Reformation. Shortly after the Greek manuscripts were taken to Western Europe, German Johannes Gutenberg invented the movable type printing press in 1454, and then in 1476, Caxton introduced printing in England. The printing press's timely advent took place in the 15th century, and the Gutenberg Bible was the first book that was printed. Though it was an edition of the Latin Vulgate, which originated with Jerome in the 4th century, it was still a momentous event. The printing press would play a major role in Greek and English Bibles, which were forthcoming. Then Erasmus, the Catholic that wrote in pure Latin, was inspired to write the scriptures in the original Greek. He wanted the scriptures to be available for everyone, not just the elite. The preface of his Bible reads, What that these were translated into each and every language. Would that the farmer sing snatches of scripture at his plow? and that the weaver might hum phrases of scripture to the tune of his shuttle, that the traveler might lighten with stories from scripture the weariness of his journey. His Greek New Testament was published in 1516. Accompanying it were study notes which corrected 600 errors in Jerome's Latin Vulgate. Erasmus's second edition was the basis for Martin Luther's German translation of the New Testament. After Luther posted his 95 Thesis, the Pope sought Luther's life. So he took refuge at the castle of Wartburg and invested his time translating the New Testament, which brought the message of Messiah and his disciples to the hearts of Germans, and many were saved. In History of the Christian Church in the 19th century, Philip Schaeff says, The richest fruit of Luther's rest time in the castle of Wartburg and the most important and most significant work of his entire life was the translation of the New Testament, through which he brought the teachings and example of Christ and the apostles to the mind and hearts of the Germans in a reproduction similar to real life. He made the Bible the book of the people in church, school, and the home. In notes on the Handbook of Revelation written in the 19th century, Albert Barnes says, It would be difficult to imagine now a more striking symbol of the art of printing or to suggest a better device for it than to represent an angel giving an open volume to mankind. 
The leading doctrine of the Reformers was that the Bible is the source of all authority in matters of religion, and consequently, it is to be accessible to all the people. William Tyndale spent much time studying Erasmus's New Testament. When Catholic John Walsh opposed him, Tyndale said, I defy the Pope and all his laws. If God spare my life ere many years, I will cause a boy that driveth the plow. Shall know more of the scripture than thou dost. Tyndale continued, The preaching of God's word is hateful and contrary unto them. Why? For it is impossible to preach Christ except thou preach against Antichrist. That is to say, them with which their false doctrine and violence of sword enforce to quench the true doctrine of Christ. So William Tyndale used Erasmus's third edition to translate into English. In 1526, he began smuggling English Bibles into England with the first run of 3,000. Many copied editions were printed as well. The papal church hated him for his Bible translation and captured him to kill him. Before he was strangled and his body burned at the stake, he cried out, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. One year after Tyndale's execution in October of 1536, Tyndale's friend, John Rogers, operating under the assumed name Thomas Matthew, produced the 1537 Matthew Tyndale Bible. This is the first printing of a complete English Bible to be translated directly from the original language of Hebrew and Greek. It was reprinted once again in a more practical size in 1549. Yah the Heavenly Father answered Tyndale's prayer by having King Henry VIII in England authorized the Great Bible by Miles Coverdale in 1540, which was read aloud in church services of the Church of England. That may not seem remarkable now, but back then it was very significant. The Geneva Bible was published in 1560 and it became the primary Bible of the 16th century Protestantism. This version of the Holy Bible is significant because, for the first time, a mechanically printed, mass-produced Bible was made available directly to the general public. Over a million copies were printed between 1560 and 1640. It has lots of notes from the Protestant reformers which explain the historical fulfillment of prophecy, pointing to the popes as the Antichrist beast and the son of perdition, and the Roman Catholic Church as the harlot church of Revelation 17. In History of England in the 19th century, Henry Walters says, As Queen Elizabeth passed under a triumphal arch, erected in Cheapside, a Bible was let down into her hands by a white-robed child called Truth. The Queen received it, kissed it, and pressed it to her heart, replying that this present was more acceptable to her than any of the more costly ones the city had given her that day of the accession. The Antichrist Beast Popes responded to this turn of events with angry declarations. At the Council of Toulouse, they declared, We prohibit laymen possessing copies of the Old and New Testament. We forbid them most severely to have the above books in the popular vernacular. Pope Pius IV said, The Bible is not for the people. Whoever will be saved must renounce it. It is a forbidden book. Bible societies are satanic contrivances. Pope Leo XIII declared, as it has been clearly shown by experience that, if the Holy Bible in the vernacular is generally permitted without any distinction, more harm than utility is thereby caused. Popes who proclaim to represent the Heavenly Father and Messiah condemn Scripture being read. If this is not the Antichrist, who is? The Bishop's Bible was published in 1568. Then in 1604, King James commissioned a team of scholars to create the King James Bible, which was completed in 1611. One of the King James Version losses is all of the study notes included in the Geneva Bible. This is significant because as the King James became more popular, the readers did not see the truth about the fulfillment of the seventh week of Daniel and Revelation and who was the Antichrist. I don't think that there's one printed Bible version in particular that the little book of Revelation 10 prophecy was pointing to, just the printed Bible of the 16th century. The large handwritten scrolls were replaced with smaller printed Bibles. To John, the printed Bible would be a little book compared to the long scrolls of his day. 
With the advent of the printing press and the word of Yah translated, millions of people were finally able to read the gospel. The scriptures were alive again. When we eat the word, it gives us the strength to live victorious lives for Yah. Studying scripture is more important to our life than our daily bread. After the famine of the Dark Ages, the printed Bible became the most treasured thing in the world. It was diligently read by millions who hungered for the bread of life. They carried it with them, studied it, and committed it to memory. So indeed, the little book of Revelation 10, the printed New Testament, was sweet on the mouths of the saints who had hungered for it. In Romanism and the Reformation, Henry Grattan Guinness says, And not Luther only, but all the Reformers, like the Apostles, held up the Word of God alone for light, just as they had held up the sacrifice of Christ alone for salvation. They gave to the world the book which Christ had given to them, which they had found sweet to their souls, though it subsequently brought on them bitter trouble. The little book was bitter because it brought the reformers at once into conflict with all the power of the papacy and the priesthood, exposing them to persecution, aroused against them a host of enemies among the princes and rulers of the earth. Many saints were burned alive with their printed Bible hung around their neck. The Society of Jesus' military army was empowered to counter the Reformation, which they did by torturing and murdering saints during the Inquisition. In notes on the Handbook of Revelation, Albert Barnes says, From the year 1540 to the year 1570, comprehending a space of only 30 years, no fewer than 900,000 Protestants were put to death by the Papists in different countries of Europe. During the short pontificate of Paul IV, which lasted only four years, the Inquisition alone destroyed 150,000. Seven thunders mentioned in Revelation 10 may have been from the popes who were angry that the Bible was being translated and printed, and they issued papal bulls which thundered from Rome. Historians often refer to papal edicts and bulls as thunders. At the Council of Trent, the papal church declared that preserved Bibles are on the index of forbidden books. The writings of William Wycliffe, John Haas, John Calvin, and other reformers were condemned. Revelation 10:11 says, And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples, and nations, and tongues, and kings. Last prophecy, Edward Bishop Elliot says, As Wycliffe in England, so Huss in Bohemia. Both Hussite and Wycliffeite preachers were soon excommunicated as heretics and nearly suppressed by the terrors of the sword. And so this most important part of Christian minister's duty, the addressing the hearts and consequences of the people from the word of life, setting forth God's grace and love through a dying, risen, and interceding Savior. With the little book, the printed New Testament, in their hands, Revelation 10:11 is the command to preach the gospel in the Roman Empire. Millions of Catholics heard the pure gospel and were redeemed for the kingdom, and came out of the harlot church and formed the Protestant churches. The power of the Roman beast kingdom had to be broken with the rod of iron, the scriptures. The popes had sealed it up in a dead language of Latin. In his hands, the radiant angel had an open book for the reformers to present the gospel to the nations again. It's been translated into all languages after being locked up in Latin. It became very affordable after handwritten copies were so expensive. It's the all-time best-selling book after almost being distinguished. It has prophesied. It has proclaimed the gospel for the last five centuries, redeeming many for the kingdom. Hallelujah. Even prayer and the scriptures are a powerful weapon against the enemy, for truth prevails over the enemy's deceptions. Ephesians 6, 11-17 says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparedness of the gospel of peace. 
Above all, take the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. In the next video, I'll discuss the measuring of the temple in Revelation 11. That's all. Thank you for listening to this Revelation Timeline Decoded audio. You can request a free copy of the Revelation Timeline Decoded summary PDF or order a printed copy of the book, which explains it in detail, at revelationtimelinedecoded.com. I love y'all. Shalom.